and we didn't have anybody kind of manning the station, and uh, there were several candles that had been put down in the sand, or the sticks had been, and someone didn't snuff it out, and all those sticks caught on fire. So we had quite a blaze in here on Thursday. So Harry Vance was here, and, and uh, it turned out okay. I'm letting trustees know we didn't set off any alarms or anything, but... Uh, as I reached to grab, which I was a little nervous that it might crack the glass, and by the way, it did, but I got it out, and we were pretty much through, but as I was getting it, Steve Frederick, I want to tell this on him, he was standing there beside me as I'm trying to decide what to do with this flame, he says, do we have any marshmallows? So, <laughs> only Steve. The sermon is Jesus and death. Jesus and death, two very important subjects. Obviously, Jesus greater than the one about death, but I do want to talk about death this morning. We, we do need to be honest about it and uh, because the inevitable will happen to all of us. I, too, will be the place. Uh, God, God not coming back before then. I realize the rapture can come and we could be taken. I know that in the Bible it tells us that Enoch and also Elisha were taken. So the Lord can certainly do that, but we're not going to stay on this earth as we know it. And uh, so let's talk about Jesus and death. So I want to start out by just asking you a very important question. Are you ready to die? That's a legitimate question. Are you ready to die? Celebrate those who have died on before us, and we in the church certainly need to ask it. Or are you ready to leave this earth and go to another place? The Bible repeatedly challenges us to face these types of questions because it's going to happen. We know that on more than one occasion, Jesus made the statement, you need to be ready. We know in the Old Testament, several times there's, there's a statement that says, prepare to meet your God. So the Bible does talk about it and wants us to think about it. Psalms 116.15, it tells us that precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. It's kind of an interesting way that God chose to put that. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints because he knows they're saints and they're coming to him, they're coming home. Let me ask you another question. We're wrestling with that one, am I ready to die? But let me, is it possible for a nation to die? Well, the Bible and world history both reveal that, yes, nations die. They once were, and now they are no longer. We, we see that in history. That's a fact. So a nation can die. Hillary Trump and uh, Donald Clinton. I'm just seeing if y'all's listening. doesn't matter if you change them around. It, it, Hillary Clinton. Donald Trump will both depart from this earth one day. Now, some of you are thinking, oh, well, maybe it'll happen before you. Don't, you didn't think that, did you? You didn't say that. The truth is that they will depart from this earth. We know that. Both of them will. But the same is true for you and for me. We'll depart. But with that in mind, we need to pray for our nation. As I said earlier, many godly leaders are calling us and encouraging us as believers, as sons and daughters of God, to pray for our nation. And we should. 
encourage you to pray over the next few days. But regardless, regardless of who becomes president this coming week, you and I will still need to face the question, are you ready to die? The following scripture I'm about to read, most of you are very familiar with it. In John, the 11th chapter, Jesus loses a friend by the name of Lazarus. You remember the story. Jesus intentionally shows up late. And remember, both sisters come running to him. If you had just been here, a brother wouldn't have died. Twice, the scriptures tell us in John 11 that Lazarus had been dead for, for four days. We make sure that we got that, that this man was dead. And of course, we know that Jesus told him to roll away the stone. And one of the sisters said, Lord, by now he, he's thinking that I tell you, believe. And so they rolled away the stone. And, Lazarus, come forth. The Bible says that he who was dead came forth in his grave cloths. Can you imagine witnessing that? And I find it interesting that at the end of the story, as he mummified comes out, Jesus tells the disciples, you go loose him and let him go. I think they probably argued over it. No, you go first. No, I'm, I'm not going first. This is the scene, though, and I want you to be reminded of some verses that are probably read more at a memorial service and a funeral and a graveside than probably any other, one verse there in particular. So this is a statement in John 11, verses 23 and 27, that Jesus said to Martha, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I, I, know, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. In the famous verse that Jesus said to her, but he says to you and to me, I am. I am the resurrection. And I am the life. He who believes in me Though he may die, he shall live. Though he may die, he shall live. And then he says, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. So which one is it? Do we die? Well, we know that Adam and Eve, the day you eat of this tree, you shall surely die. But they didn't drop dead. But the process started. It's been pretty consistent throughout humanity. We, we, we have to face death. Ecclesiastes says there's a time to be born and there is a time to die. And so that reality is there. But then Jesus said, whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. So in other words, we're going to live forever, somewhere. Our soul goes on to live. And so... Jesus asked this question to Martha, but I believe he asked us, and I'm suggesting to you that Jesus is looking at you and asking you, do you believe this? Do you believe that I am who I say I am? That's what he asked Martha in 27. Do you believe this? Do you believe that I am the resurrection of life? And she answers very well in verse 27. She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. She too probably had some mystery still about death and she's still tearing up and grieving over the loss of her brother. Let me read in Hebrews 9, again, a very popular verse quoted by we preachers at gravesides and funerals. Hebrews 9, 27 and 28. 
And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment. That's usually the line we quote. There's a comma there though, and it goes on to say in verse 28, So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. But there is an appointment. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. That's going to happen for everyone, including me, outside the rapture coming, or if God decides to take us. But still there's this knowing that we're not going to stay on this earth forever. I know there's a lot of mysteries. I've got all kinds of questions about heaven, but we know he's gone to prepare a place for us. He said he would. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, then believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions, and I go to prepare a place for you. That where I go, I will bring you to myself. He's got this covered. But it's appointed. A man wants to die, and after this judgment. I think I shared with you all that old evangelist said, Have you ever noticed about 10 out of 10 people die? Yeah, we're going to depart this world. Pastor George Creel, some of you know that name, Reverend George Creel was Lana and I's pastor when we were at Central United Methodist Church. This was in the mid-80s. I answered the call to preach in 88. He was my pastor there. and I was a pallbearer. I carried Brother George's casket and we laid it there in the grave. He said a statement more than once, and this was his statement. He said that more lies, George Creel, said that more lies are told at funerals than at any other time. Now, there's some truth to that. Well, maybe it's, no, I don't want to do that because I preach at a lot of funerals. I try not to lie at them, but a lot of times we just share the good stuff about a person. I mean, you, you don't want me to share all the bad stuff. I wouldn't want somebody to, there could be some bad stuff. Oh, my goodness, at my funeral probably they could say, yeah. Let me tell you this about old Harvey Beckham. I don't want them to tell that. I thank God that my sins are as far as the east is from the west. When I made that statement, I've shared that at several churches I've pastored. More lies are told at funerals than any other time. And the youth group at Crossville United Methodist Church, when I said that, they decided to make a t-shirt. And they put something on the front about the youth. My daughter, Audra, my son-in-law, Blake, my son, Dave, they were all part of that youth group. And a guy by the name of Andrew Gamblin, Gamblin's a Methodist pastor and friend with Tyler. They ministered together at Lester Memorial. And I think Gamblin was the one who actually said, let's make a T-shirt. And on the back of it, this is what they put. Live your life so the preacher won't have to lie at your funeral. I, I loved it. Whenever we wore that T-shirt, if we were standing in Walmart, there'd be somebody behind us going, oh, man, I love that. I love what it says back there. Live your life so the preacher won't have to lie at your funeral. So it was a good witness. We're celebrating our generosity of giving. We've been talking about what we sow and what we supply and what kind of seeds are we planting. We've been talking about that. and We do plant seeds. You do plant. Seeds. You sow seeds throughout your life. The Bible says that whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. That will be their harvest. But usually at a funeral, we talk about the good seeds that people have planted. So I hope we don't lie. We just don't talk about all that bad seeds we strove. But let's all be very honest. We have all sown and planted some seeds we're not too proud of. I have. But also, Perhaps some of these candles that are lit back here represent persons 
who are connected in our lives who have sown some seeds of kindness and grace and righteousness and hope. They told us about who Jesus was. So what kind of seeds are you scattering? What kind of seeds are you planting in your life? What type of harvest will others see and benefit from at your life's end? Those are good questions. Since this time last year, I've preached 31 funerals. Now, we have to prepare that for church conference that we're having tonight. We have to list the number of those who have passed away, and we turn all them because of our membership roles and everything. So I counted. I knew I'd done quite a few, but 31. About half were our members, as you saw on that list, but about 10 out of 12 were connected to people within our church, very close connections. In fact, and I, I say this just as a fact, five of those funerals were adult sons of parents that are still here in our church. Some are in this service. Five were adult sons. I just simply find that interesting. God's grace is with us in the midst of all of that. One of the funerals I had was my Uncle Dale, my dad's younger brother. They were real close. They were only 18 months apart growing up, and Daddy went down. In fact, I drove him down many times. We went to see Uncle Dale. And Uncle Dale passed away. Aunt Pat called and asked me would I help with the funeral. My cousin Alan, he shared some words too, but my Uncle Dale was usually quiet. He was one of those faithful in church, committed to Christ, but he was always behind the scenes. We got a lot of people like that are behind the scenes just planting seeds and sowing grace, sowing encouragement, sowing righteousness. And so we talked about the harvest at his funeral. And I remember Uncle Dale. I want to share some words for you in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul wrote these words to encourage us, and I think he probably had a chuckle when he said it. He said in verse 15, I mean in chapter 15, verse 54, Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. In other words, that last verse says we accept the reality of death, but Jesus has got it covered. So therefore, we got to keep on keeping on. Brothers and sisters, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Keep planting those seeds of righteousness. Jesus talked about death to the disciples even before he was to die, and they didn't fully understand it. But as we prepare ourselves to take communion just now, I hope you'll remember the words that Jesus said. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? I hope that by coming to communion, we do believe this. We do believe that He is who He says He is. And so while we honestly have tears in our eyes, we miss people. 
But we get to come to the master's table. And oh, we're going to dine with those who are in Christ forever and ever and ever. Are you ready to die? Let's pray together. God, thank you for showing us that it is in Christ that we can live and we shall live forever. We ask now you to bless this moment in communion. For we pray it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you would take your hymnal and we'll share.